0: Greetings all, and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Queston Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Tonight is the next installment in our Technocracy series, uh, wherein we explore, debate, unpack all tech and robot and singularity-related news. Technocracy is a vertical on our site, so if you like what you hear tonight, check out all our tech coverage at questonmedia.com. Uh, On tonight's episode, uh, we want to talk about Julian Assange, we want to try to untangle the Gordian knot of net neutrality, and do our best to stave off our robot overlords for one more night. Uh, I'm not a Luddite, folks, I just play one on a podcast. Tonight, uh, we have two special guests, uh, Shireen Mitchell, who is an entrepreneur, author, tech analyst, and diversity strategist, among many other things. And we are joined by our old friend, Tom Trapel, all-around good guy and our go-to person for all things tech. Thanks to both of you for making time to be here tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, Tom, I'm coming to you because moments ago you mentioned... uh, I mean, I don't know if you're referring to the documentary about this woman. There's also a podcast, from what I understand. But the documentary is called The Inventor, right? maybe yeah. give us a little overview of who this woman is and you know shorthand for what the the story of um, her company is
1: yeah absolutely russell thanks for having me on um totally. <clears throat> yeah i mean I, I can just talk about what i saw on the hbo documentary the inventor out for blood in silicon valley it was about um elizabeth holmes who is uh, at the age of 19 dropped out of stanford and started her own company called Theranos, which was designed to um, basically she created like she was in in the midst of creating a machine that would optimize uh, blood testing for those that you know would not be able to afford it from such uh, companies such as Quest Diagnostics you know, normally what you'd have to do is like go to a phlebotomist and get like a huge sample of blood to be tested and, you know, be, you know, inspected for different diseases or different viruses, et cetera. And this was obviously what she was pitching was the, uh, the ability to just take a prick a finger from blood like you would from like a diabetic sample and then being able to test it with that same thoroughness. And What ended up happening was that she would sell these machines to different vendors, such as Walgreens, and only to find out that the machines did not work. Let alone when they would send the samples back to the headquarters for testing, they would just send them out and or use machines that were purchased by their competitors. So it was almost like a a a fraud scheme, you know, wagging the dog, so to speak. Right. But what I found really interesting about it was that. From what I've seen in Silicon Valley, there are a lot of businesses that are kind of performing under the same practices. It's almost like a crapshoot. It's like, it's it, the best way for me to describe it, really, is that it's almost like in Hollywood where you just sell an idea for a movie. Like if you were able to go into like 20th Century Fox, and say, I have an idea for a movie, it's Rob Schneider as a garbage man. And then suddenly he's transformed into a CEO. What's going to happen next? And then someone buys it for three million dollars. Hey, I mean, that hold on, really quick.
0: Is... I don't mean to interrupt you. That's a good movie pitch. <laughs> <laughs> just really quick. Just want to get that out of the way. Uh, <laughs> no. uh, also, a helpful metaphor. Uh, and I think you're right. I mean, I part of the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I heard. Her story. I heard the story of this company uh, within days of seeing the Firefest documentaries that came out. You know, I don't know when that was six weeks or two months ago. Uh, And, you know, there are a lot of echoes in that story, right? Where you kind of, it's like, um, I don't know how many people like musicals, but the music man. As uh, a classic American story of a guy who comes to town and says, "That's right, folks, you got trouble right here in River City. You know what? You need a boys' band, and he sells, you know, instruments in a boys' band to this whole town for instruments that are never going to come, and takes their money and and takes off. Right? He's a huckster. That's tale as old as time. It's more American than apple pie. Um, but the tech industry seems particularly ripe for that kind of exploitation because there's only a small amount of people who really understand this stuff and then there's a bunch of rich people who just want in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, if you go into River City, Iowa and tell them you're going to start a boys band, you got a bunch of Iowans who are like, "Well, okay, I can scrape together $60 for a trombone." But if you go to Silicon Valley and create an alternate society, you become surrounded by billionaires who want to get rich off you but don't understand what you're talking about. Um, and I, even though fire, you know, fire was not a tech company ostensibly, you know, or, you know, uh, right. There's like a credit card company for a while. And then I guess they were, they were like an app, but they weren't a true disruptor, you know, but that business of like putting the business out first, what Sandy used to call it, writing the headline before you write the story, you know, like don't, Mm -hmm. before you do any reporting, you just like, you know what the story's going to be similar to your Hollywood analogy. I think that's part of business, but what seems different about tech Is that it's such a specialized knowledge set, or I think of it as such a specialized knowledge set, and there's so much money at stake that it's really easy to exploit people. Um, But is it fair to say that that looks like that's what happened with the. I mean, that's obviously what happened with this woman. She didn't have. Did she have plans of eventually coming up with a technology that could successfully
1: deliver on what she promised? My, My opinion, from what I gathered, is yeah, she definitely had visions that this technology would work. Um the problem was she never I um, and what I gathered from the documentary and that's what I'm speaking from is that I don't think she ever knew how. It's almost like I have this idea and I'm going to hire the people to make this idea happen. Right. Well, I think one of the main problems with that is is like if you know how the idea is going to work, you I mean, what the idea is, you better know how it's going to work essentially. And you just can't come up with an idea of like, I'm going to create like this show and I'm just going to hire other people to do the job for me. Like, that's just to me, not how innovation works.
0: That's true. It's not how innovation works, but it's often how capitalism works. Okay. Shereen, I'm so glad that we have you uh, here with us today as a guest uh, to kind of hold our hands and help us understand all that's going on in the tech world. I want to start just because of my own personal interest uh with the the new quote unquote new net neutrality bill that Nancy Pelosi is touting i think she's calling it something like the save the internet bill isn't it something ridiculous like that okay something like yeah. that
2: No, but there's a a whole campaign that was basically called Save the Internet. And that campaign is what she's iterating as, you know, the language to kind of keep it in line. But the whole net neutrality debate has been going on for quite some time. and It's not new. It's not different. What is key, though, is when the FCC became a different leader, I won't name him because I just feel challenged about the way in which he already like, dissented during the whole FCC debate around that neutrality. When he took over, he basically wiped it out. And it was very interesting because out of everybody on the FCC who actually argued about these issues, he was the only one dissenting. So when he finally became sort of the leader He completely said, oh, I'm just going to make this choice to figure out how we can just wipe out the net neutrality rules." So what was the nature of his dissent? Help me to understand a
0: little bit better, like what his dissent was and Um, what the FCC, the rest of the people in the FCC were arguing for.
2: So his argument, just so that we're clear, was literally about the fact that uh, the debate was more about the government basically putting a heavy hand onto the conversations about net neutrality and impacting corporations in a negative way. That was the majority of what he was saying. And truth be told, that's literally almost every Republican stance on the argument. What um, What is very complicated with net neutrality is the conversation between what government does and, and what corporations do. We, individuals, are stuck in the middle of that debate. And that's what people don't understand. It's like the, the the govies and the corpse are fighting each other and we are being impacted in multiple ways. We're also being impacted financially, but also being impacted in terms of the way in which we have access to information. So people are confused about the concept of net neutrality because the words don't fit. Right. Net neutral. Right? Why, doesn't, it's that fit? About the Why doesn't that
0: line up? I like that phrase. Maybe it's because I like alliteration. So it just sounds good. But what? why do, why do those things not fit?
2: Because m- the average person can't translate what neutral means. They, they, they Even net. Like I was at an event. They call it net something. And I was just like, is this old age conversation? Did we used to have this conversation? We are being called netpreneur, techpreneur. Like I remember when we were having the net conversation. And so we're still using that language. And that language is still a little, a little clunky. Um, but the net, of course, is the Internet. And what people don't realize is that what we're asking for is to have a neutral space for access to the Internet. Everyone should be able to get to the Internet equally. But the language, net neutrality, doesn't sound like that's what the argument is about. It sounds kind of clunky in a so way. Do that you think
0: like, like, you know, web equality or w- would be a better phrase or... I just made that up by the way. So if you do like it, I want credit for it. If you don't like it, like my just made it up. <laughs> is it that kind of thing
2: where we need better I think yes. It's like trying to understand that we're at we're we're literally asking for people to have equal access to the pipes. And it doesn't matter who's building the pipes out and, and, and who's paying for the pipes. And so so the complication is the government does subsidize the pipes to some of these corporations and yet these corporations still want to be able to pay, be able to charge users, whatever they want, but the government is subsidizing. How, how does that make sense? That they can say, Hey, you, you know, you, you're using too much of the pipe. We're going to charge you this much while we're going to charge this other group who, you know, other group of people this much. And so the part that gets confused is corporations of course netflix of course like google of course are using the pipe more than anyone else but the but the problem is is that netflix is not using it themselves users are connecting to netflix to use it right. and people don't understand that distinction it's like the argument is supposed to be corporations and government but the truth is who's using netflix me every one of us i am tonight <laughs> everybody so so when they make it seem like it's a government versus corporate conversation it, it takes away from the everyday person la- layer of it so you use Google, you use Facebook you use Twitter, you use all these things that is part of that pipe that the telecoms are saying well maybe you're using too much and we just want to charge you extra, same pipe But we want to charge you extra because you're pulling in more information than, quote, unquote, other people, whatever that means. The other people thing is really complicated. But rural people do not have the same access as others because of where they are and the way those systems are built out. Is that an infrastructure problem? It's an infrastructure problem, yes. It's definitely an
0: infrastructure problem. That makes sense. Um, I guess I get confused sometimes, like you were saying, like the net is the wrong word. When I hear the phrase the net, I always think of that Sandra Bullock movie where she gets her identity. (laughs) That was a good
2: movie.
0: It was a good movie (laughs) because it sounds kind of like an old fashioned way to describe what this tool is that we have. But We also, I mean, what is a new fashion name for this tool? And also, where is the internet? Show it to me. You know what I mean, like right?
2: People do that. It's like it's just tubes, right? It's like tubes and stuff we can't see and yeah. put our hands on, which is also part right? of the I reason.
0: Mean, I mean, I you mentioned the government and and corporations and you know, conservatives saying, oh, yeah, we don't want the government interfering, whatever. But I will say this uh, you know, anytime the government, like, like when uh, Zuckerberg had to testify, you know, and they were asking him about like whether. Facebook was invading people's privacy. Like those people, and I'm not being ageist, it's not just because they're old or whatever, you know, the people in government did not even know the right questions to ask Zuckerberg yes. when he was there, right? Like they didn't even know how to frame the questions they wanted to ask. They didn't have the terminology. They didn't understand what the technology was. Um, I mean, I don't know if I was asking Zuckerberg, I can't say with authority that I would do a much better job, but it, it reminded me-
2: I would have done, you would have done a much better job. job. You would have done <laughs> a much <a> better job. <laughs> but also, also the other key thing that people don't realize is that they didn't make they did not make him swear in, so anything he said to the Congress he can reverse yeah. any moment that he wants because it was not sworn testimony. It's the only tech tech uh, hearing which I of course follow and have tracked all of them. It is literally the only tech hearing that somebody was not sworn in to give testimony and Zuck was given no swear in. So he can say whatever he wants. He can promise things that well, he will also, not have to keep.
0: I mean, isn't, Zuckerberg, like a robot alien from the future, who's probably not even subject to our laws. They
2: basically, like, they did, like, after the fact, they did the whole data thing, yeah. right? They put, They basically made him look like he was data. I was just like, you know what? That was kind of how he was yeah. behaving. But yeah. But the reason I mentioned right? this that, that hearing
0: is because it was a good reminder for me. Like, this is, you know, uh, we know people in government have limitations they're people like anybody else, but they they should be held to a higher standard. Uh, if we're talking about the government introducing a bill about how we should regulate or not regulate um, the Internet, I'm reminded that nobody in government really understands this industry. and no, so, they Therefore, we shouldn't really be trusting. Them. I mean, you could say this about many, many issues in society, right? Like, why do we trust the government to make decisions about criminal justice reform? Why do we trust the government? Right. OK. Yes. But then I'm going to sound like a libertarian. So I'll just leave it at technology and say, um, if we know that people in government don't know technology very well. What kind of response should we have to Nancy Pelosi saying, I'm going to save the Internet?
2: So here's here's what we have to do. This is the part that I think that most Americans don't realize that they have access to or the ways in which they can process this. There are ways that say, you know, I know you have a legislation or a bill, but here's the parts of the bill that is wrong. Here's what we think you should do. And here's how this group of people and that's, and that's what. Um, that's what's different between lobbying or and or having activists go to Congress and say, hey, your people don't know enough information. Here's what we can share with you so you understand. Also, the, the, the other key piece is if you look at the UK versus us, they're way more sophisticated about their questions and the way they answer. Um, and, wh- and even though some of these companies try to use the same exact answer to them, the questions are way more significant and, and, and way more challenging. The U.S., I think in some ways, and I had this conversation at a conference I was at not too long ago, where I was basically like, we're playing footsie because they're American companies. The U.K. is like kicking them under the table, right? right? So we're like, oh, let's play footsie. Let's figure out where you can like navigate. And that's a fundamental flaw of what of why we're here. And and having this problem in in this conversation. Well, isn't the European Union as well as isn't others? the
0: European Union pretty far ahead of us in terms of privacy requirements for technology companies? Yes. something they had a big change earlier this year about privacy. Agreements. Yeah, Can you, mm-hmm. Is that good? Or yes, did they, they did. come up with a like a, a bit of a progressive limitation
2: on? Uh, I think that they are they are moving in a, a positive direction. I I also think that some of what they're making quote unquote demands on it from a legal perspective or legislative perspective is, is almost impossible for these companies to accomplish. So there are companies that like just opted out of even dealing with the UK because of it. So, so those two things are really challenging in terms of the conversation, but what I want to tell you is they have looked at the way the data is being used and shared in a way that gives them a sense of like, We didn't just put this together randomly. We looked at this and we know some of the flaws in here. And here are the things we're asking you to promise to do. Whether you completely do it or not is a whole different question, which is still problematic because what's the, what's the trigger to basically say, you've not done this, this way. What are we going to do as punishment for you after the fact? They just kind of gave a guideline. It's not, there's no doesn't have teeth mechanism. Okay. Right, right. There's no mechanism for accountability. Right. It's like, here's or here's the demands and the mechanism of co- accountability is the problem. And by the way, also net neutrality, which we're looking at now and the next version of it has, is the same thing. Who's going to punish the companies who actually break the rules? That's true. And and we haven't gotten there yet. We're still talking about the rules. We're removing it, putting it in place, removing it, putting it in place. But who, what entity is actually going to enforce the rules and between FCC and FTC, there has been a lot of wishy-washy who's, you know, whose teeth are going to like be the, be the, the agency that goes after them when they, when they mess up. Um, so so, so the before the rules were put back in place, Comcast had already broken the rules. I think even a t and t had slightly broken the rules in some way. There was no accountability, there was no punishment for it so so our problem with this conversation is, even if the rules get put in place, who's enforcing?
0: well dom- domestically and, and, that's and, you know like that's something that's at least solvable. In the U.S., for instance, right? Let's say there is a bill that does include new rules about violations of privacy, et cetera. You know, whatever those punishments would be, right? Is that like a fine? You know, that's what the FCC does to people now um, who are in broadcasting. For instance, you get levied with big fines or you can lose your license potentially. Um, But the Internet is not like a a government. It's not the U.S., right? So it's international. It's more than international. (laughs) It's interstellar. It exists everywhere and nowhere at the same time. That, to me, is what's problematic, right? If you want to pass laws in the United States, that that seems tenable, um, but that's not going to address all of your problems. You know? No, it's
2: not. It's only part of the. It's like, it's like it's, it's, it becomes basically the first step, right? Like we haven't gotten to to end the end game. So do you? We got to the first. I, step. I don't
0: know very much about what Democrats are proposing now. Have you? Seen any of what they're writing or what they're saying, and and can you help me to understand it a little bit?
2: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there the conversation now is not different than the conversation before, which is basically we want to reinstate the rules. The reinstatement of the rules is the first step, but we haven't gotten to what the like the enforcement part. So, so Nancy and others are basically saying we're going to find ways. To make sure that we can reinstate the rules, what's challenging about that is that that's not different than what happened several years ago. So, if we're starting all over again, we're not growing; we're just starting all right, over again. Right. And that's what the problem is coming from the Democrats. It's not they, they what they're what they're what they're promising or what they're trying to fight for is to do a reinstatement. Not do an enforcement. Um, the other part of this is just so we're clear: is there's still this this Republican conversation about it you're asking the government to be the enforcer, and the uh, and what's the question to that? It's like who's supposed to be the you're enforcer right? Who else would the enforcer
0: the, be if not the government?
2: B. Right?
0: Yeah, I mean, this isn't the kind of thing where right? you like let the free market regulate itself or, no. or, you know because this is
2: you can't do that with yeah. this and and that's and that's the, the uncomfortable part it's like oh let the free market figure out how to make this work no actually that's not how this works in this particular framework because the tech companies can charge you whatever you want and there's no free market argument because they can keep just ex, you know accelerating the cost right. and they're also hmm. accelerating the cost on both sides of the pipe the, the part that people don't realize is like you already pay for your part of the pipe, right? So when you connect to your Wi Fi or your files in your house uh, for your TV or whatever, you're already paying a cost. The, the corporations are actually doing the same thing. They're actually paying a cost to make the same connection to you. You are in the middle of this connection with the, Tech companies want is to say to the uh, let me do this differently to the to the corporations if you have so many users that take up so much of our bandwidth, we're gonna overcharge you. But then they're saying to us, if you use too much of download bandwidth, we're gonna overcharge you too. They want both sides of the overcharge of the pipe. The pipe is the same, they just they're basically saying we want to charge more for both of these two things. And what's different about that is you have to understand a Facebook would not have existed if they had to pay those charges. Google would not have existed if they had to pay those charges. So any little company, any little nonprofit, any individual who's like just trying to start out, who eventually starts to take in a little bit more bandwidth, who gets charged more money, they won't be able to to do what they could possibly do with that net neutrality argument. Right. Right. So so the argument is still complicated, but it's also um people don't understand the the way that, that it works. I should not just be just because I work on my computer, I still should not be charged more than anybody else who happens to not work on that computer.
0: Right. Yeah. We're using the same. In some pipe. ways it sounds like you know, if you are a startup, right, like you are essentially punished for being successful in some way, right? Like if you get yes. more and more users. It like restricts your growth because you're having you have to have like an adjusted price model where you have to account for that huge new expense, which is the cost of success is that you have to pay more to be good, which kind of kills the whole startup spirit of tech. And that's how it's gotten us so far. Anyway.
2: So, tell me how that's in you know, entrepreneurship, tell me how that's like yeah. opening the door for, yeah, no, I mean, you know, Republicans, innovation. Republicans
0: love stuff like that, where they're just like, no, nah, man, let people just go wild and don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you have an idea, follow that all the way to the end. You shouldn't have those kind of punishments for success. That's why they ostensibly hate exactly. taxation, right? Uh, yeah. but, but they're but they're saying
2: okay to this. Right. So that's what's that's that's what's But that's just because
0: it. of these, you know, huge uh, corporations, right? It's because of telecom, like AT&T and Comcast are influential enough. What? that they can get enough uh, legislators to get on their side for it. It doesn't really have to do with ideology at all. Oh my goodness. The wool has been pulled back from my eyes. (laughs) Does that mean that not
2: all of our elected officials have our best interests in mind? No, they don't. Why? I mean, come on, let's be honest about that. Some of them are, being lobbied yeah. and if some of them are being yeah. paid you know for their campaign so it's right. very complicated but the everyday person needs to understand that the parts of right. that i mean that's the key it's like how does this how does it impact you and that's the key question and most people don't know the answer
0: to right. that uh well this is a helpful primer anybody asking me about net neutrality i'm just going to send them a link to this podcast and say Shireen breaks it down. Don't make me have to explain it. Shireen did a better job. Um, I do, before we go, I do want to talk about Julian Assange. Uh, I have... Many things to say. I well I have more questions than so can anything. you can
2: you tell me your can you tell me your perspective on this so that I can like give you my 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 respect I mean, my, I don't, my perspective you know I
0: don't have a, a Julian Assange platform. I'm intrigued by this person who at one point was considered kind of a folk hero, right? At one time it was like, no mm-hmm. man, WikiLeaks is great because we're using technology to hold governments accountable and governments are keeping secrets from us. And he, like this idea, his philosophy, the thing that he was kind of advancing to the world resonated with people. Cause they said, finally, like, yes, we can use technology to kind of demo- truly democratize where we don't have clandestine governments making decisions behind our backs. And he was a folk hero, right? Mm-hmm. Flash forward 10 years, things have changed, right? He really is kind of considered a villain. I even remember you know, um, uh, President Obama was not a big fan of Julian Assange and he was coming out like, man, this is what he did was wrong. And it was like one of the few times that liberals were like, well, I don't know, Obama. Julian Assange seems like a cool guy, you know, give him a break, right? (laughs) And only now uh, do we realize that there was a lot of other stuff going on with Julian Assange. There are a lot more questions about him. Maybe he wasn't as pure of heart and pure of mission as we all kind of hoped he was, or assumed he was, that's that's my only interest in it. Is how uh, in in the last ten years he's gone from this folk hero to a, really a potential villain, if that you know if that's fair to say. Is that is that a good take? It's
2: it's that's a good take. And um and the challenge that we're having with this conversation is because they're trying to have a conversation about you know uh, journalistic freedom and to make sure that the journal you know f- uh, freedom of speech framework of of our um, constitution does its job, which is to challenge the government. So can I just say right now, most of the free speech conversation is is muddy and not completely working the way it should. You know, um, the current person in office is basically trying to like do a federal investigation on SNL because they were mocking him. Like that's not how this works. That becomes a problem with the conversation. And if you're willing to let that conversation happen, then you can't have a decent conversation about Julian Assange. And so just so we're clear, Obama pardoned Chelsea Manning, who is the person who gave information to WikiLeaks that finally got out. What I also think that people don't realize is that WikiLeaks has always been sort of a middleman, a middleman in a way that like there's there's journalism and there's people who may be whistleblowers And they think that they're somehow in the middle of that. And that in itself should be something that people should pause on, right? Why do you need a middleman for that? The second part, um, I'm sorry, third part, Obama, then this. When you're casing the joint, which somebody else said on TV, (laughs) and helping someone hack the joint to get that information, the line has been crossed it's not journalism it's not it has no integrity if they happen to have access to it and they share it with you very different but if you're trying to get them to figure out how to hack the joint and teaching them how to hack the joint or actually hacking yourself you're no longer a journalist yeah and that part is the part that people don't seem to understand about Julian he has participated in multiple versions of either helping hacking happen to get information or participating with foreign actors hacking to get information. And that in itself is the flaw in this argument that people keep having. This is not about journalistic integrity at all. This is about someone who was casing the joint, was figuring out how they can get access to information that's not theirs and, and then once they got that hacked information, which is a criminal act, then basically saying, oh, this is just journalism when we share it. Yeah. No. You helped participate.
0: Yeah. Well, there's another aspect of the story that you uh, have mentioned to me, and I, I think is in your video that you have online now. Can you talk a little bit about yes. that for people who haven't seen the video? Just tell us a little bit about it and how it relates
2: yeah. Yes. There's a there's a now this politics op-ed video of me that speaks about the way in which um, this false information or disinformation is being used, and the ways in which also it's being disseminated using fake identities, including Black people, Black women specifically, as if we are in agreement with some of these things, and so. The, the reason I bring that up is because what happened with Julian Assange in 20, 2016 that's connected to this is literally the, the Russiagate conversation. And in that Russiagate conversation, the target was the Democrats. The target was the Black vote. And all of this is connected to the way in which people decided they were going to manipulate our democracy, and so so Julian is not just connected to this part that I told you about in terms of just the Chelsea Manning piece it's connecting to the Russian piece which is targeting black identity the 3500 ads that we that we um do the data data uh tracking on of those 3500 ads about 90% of them political ads by the way were focused on black identity yeah why is russia focusing on black identity and also why is julian assange helping them
0: those are important questions so if you see
2: see, yeah (laughs) way more questions (laughs) questions we probably might not even get to but in the video though but in that now this video um it sort of explains some of the connections between um what we're talking about now but also how black identity was being used to manipulate the vote in America Uh,
0: special thanks to all of our guests tonight Uh, I think we did a pretty good job trying to address some very complicated subjects again a reminder this podcast is a supplement to our tech coverage that you can find on our site uh, questonmedia.com the vertical is technocracy I think you'll like what you find thanks for joining us until next time quest on everybody
2: This episode of Quest on Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.